Welcome to the Real Turf Techs Podcast for the technician that wants to get real. Follow along as we talk to industry professionals and address hot topics that we all face. Along the way, we'll learn tips and tricks. I'm your host, Trent Manning. Let's have some fun. Welcome to the Real Turf Techs Podcast, episode 49. Today, we're talking to Ian Johnstone, equipment manager at Donalda Club in Toronto, Ontario. Donalda is a 18-hole private facility with 12 clay tennis courts, squash courts, and an outdoor pool and fitness center attached. Ian had an assistant who moved on to work for the local Toro distributor this past spring and is looking for another during the winter season. Ian has a mixed brand of equipment, primarily Toro cutting units, Yamaha club car and John Deere utility vehicles, Kubota tractors and mini excavator, and some John Deere tractors and skid steers. Let's talk to Ian. Welcome, Ian, to the Real Turf Techs podcast. How you doing today? I'm doing well, Trent, yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on. It's going to be fun like it always is. Tell us how you got into the turf industry. So I got into turf when I was 16 years old. Actually, it was my first job. And I ended up working grounds department for about three years. And I went to university for a short stint and figured out pretty quickly that wasn't for me. And uh, ended up pursuing an automotive apprenticeship afterwards. And even throughout my automotive apprenticeship on my days off, I continued working in the grounds department. And once I became a licensed mechanic, I, at that time, wasn't working on the golf course anymore. But when my first daughter was born, the assistant superintendent I'd worked for previously at that course, he'd gone on to become a superintendent at a facility nearby. And it worked really well with my family life at the time. And it was conducive to that. And the hours worked well and he needed a mechanic. Wow. So very fortunately, he thought highly enough of me when I was a young man that he, he ended up hiring me as his technician, to be honest. I always anticipated getting back into automotive and about six months into that first season, I knew there was no going back, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Had you had any experience with grinding reels or setting reels up or any of that kind of stuff? Not really. When I walked into that facility, his mechanic, unfortunately had up and left him mid season and left him high and dry. And so he was reading express dual manuals and was trying to figure out the whole thing. And uh, very fortunate, he, he had some contacts in that and sent me up the road to a nearby course. And I learned some tricks and that first season, well, you can imagine it was pretty rough. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. But sometimes that's the best to learn, learning under pressure like that and figuring it out as you go and making mistakes. It was awesome. And. Uh, I was very fortunate that he was supportive of me and it was, uh, man, what a learning experience, mm-hmm. especially coming from, you get your automotive license or some accreditation to your name. And I think you feel like you reach a certain level. And then for me, all of a sudden to come into somewhere where I'm, I'm welding and I'm using torches and then obviously the real grinding and the whole agronomy, it just taught me very quickly. You always have so much to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. They expect us to know a lot of different stuff. It's not just how to work on a diesel engine or to work on a gas engine, but yeah, you got to be a welder and a carpenter and a plumber and electrician from time to time. 
walk us through your daily shop routine in the busy season. Yeah. So in a busy season, I'll get there probably about half an hour before most of our staff. And we have a morning set up person who pulls out all of our walk mowers and gets everything ready. Uh, generally, the superintendent and I will meet upstairs, discuss what the plan is for the day, ongoing throughout the week. Um, go downstairs and we'll address our staff, have the morning meetings. I go through all of our sign-out procedures and check sheets with this, the staff, just making sure they're taken care of. Um, once everybody's out in the course, I lay back for about 20 minutes and follow shortly behind. Usually meet my superintendent on the first screen, prism gauge in hand, check how to cut, make sure that everything looks good. And just see where we're going, touch and go with him there. We usually talk for 15, 20 minutes kind of thing. Um, and then move on as I go through. I, I used to do a sweep, any cutting equipment that's out there. I'm throwing the prism gauge down tees and fairways. Uh, very fortunately, our shop's actually located at the fifth hole at our course. So it's like a perfect short loop. I mm. investigate the first five holes, end up back at the shop. Uh, and then throughout the day, whether it's generally on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're not cutting fairways. So that's my fairway mower day. I'm, I'm going to, uh, throw them up in the hoist and check everything over there throughout the rest of the week. It's just you know, greens mowers come in, they're coming to my shop and you know, usually involved most of my afternoon, just making sure everything's tidy there and put out fires along the way. Yep. Plenty of fires come up. Can you tell me a little bit more about the checkout procedure and what all you got going on there? Yeah, so it's a daily. I'm very fortunate when I came to Donalda, my predecessor, he had a really well set up. So um, he had sign out sheets for every piece of equipment and just the basics, right? Your fluid checks and, and tire pressures and any external damage that's unusual. Obviously, a lot of turf equipment, you've got minor nicks and dings in it all. And uh, so anything like that, the operator generally won't mark down. But yeah, so it, just checking through your basic procedure kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I love that. I don't, we don't currently do that at my facility, but that's definitely something that I wouldn't mind seeing go on. I, and I've seen it at other operations, other people I've talked to does it. So I, I think there's something to it. Do you think it gives the operator maybe a little bit more responsibility or a little bit more ownership? I like to believe that. I, it, it has been touch and go throughout it. And I've grappled with it at times if it's actually benefiting me in some respects. I have a uh, few experiences though, that you know, things will come back damaged. And I look at who didn't fill out the sheet that day. Quite often that usually seems to be the way that it goes. And it kind of lead me to something kind of figuring out the situation that happened. It definitely does for some operators. And what I do find is that anybody who's new to the facility they usually pick up on it immediately because that's all that they know. They come, it's usually anybody who has experience at the facility already. They're a little bit harder to teaching an old dog new tricks, yeah, yeah. right? The adage yeah, right. goes, so the circumstance there, but it's, uh, yeah, it's something that I'd like to do a little bit more. I do find it's the first thing to disappear once things get busy. That's pretty funny. Yeah. That's human nature and the way it works. Do you relief grind? I do now. Okay. You do now. All right. So I just, uh, this past season got a new set of Foley grinders, the 673 and the 653. We had expressed duels before that, and I'm a big proprietor of relief grinding. So that was a very worthwhile purchase for us. I love it. I love it. And I got those same models and I've had them, I don't know, maybe three years and no complaints. 
what an awesome piece of equipment. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's something else. Tell us something you've fabricated lately. Lately. Um, so I did make a real transportation stand just for slipping reels onto just easy movement around the, around the shop. What else? Walk me through that. How many cutting units does it hold? It holds 12 currently. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a pretty big one. Is it A-frame style? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's a pretty nifty with some heavy casters in the bottom. Nice square style. I think it was like Bob shop that I saw and to make one up something similar. I'll give him credit for that. I stole that one from him. So. Yeah. And I, I really think a lot of us in this industry are thieves. We steal ideas all the time. That's it. As long as we credit people a little bit here and there, it certainly yeah. wasn't my idea, bro. Of course. And I don't <laughs> remember, I told somebody, uh, one time because I don't even remember what it was what I was doing. They're like, that's not your idea. And I said, you'll, as you get older, this was a young guy said, as you get older, you will find out that there's not that many original ideas. Absolutely not. There's some, but not a lot. Every good story has been written before men. I, yeah. yeah, definitely. Exactly. For sure. What's your favorite tool and why? Ooh. So coming from the automotive side into turf, all of a sudden torches were a big thing for me and the versatility of torches and seeing. So my dad was an odd mechanic and later became a school teacher, but that guy, the skill he had with a torch, all of a sudden he came to the shop one day and kind of showed me some tricks and, uh, what you can do just with an acetylene torch as far as welding. And it's so versatile and it's got me out of so many situations. I, I don't think I'd be able to do without one now. I really like you're saying that because I think definitely the younger generation doesn't see the value in a torch and all the different things you can do. Just like you were saying, you can weld with it, you can braze with it, you can heat something up. You can cut metal with it. This is a versatile tool. I like that one. That's good. What do you do to relax or find your balance? A uh, couple things. I'm a big martial artist, actually. So I usually get out most of the temper <laughs> involved in hitting other people and being hit by other people. That's kind of my go-to usually every evening. As long as my wife allows, I'm going out participating in that. The, my more calm side, I'm a guitarist as well. Not a good one, but I, I pluck along and enjoy that. So my decompression for the most part, and come summertime, I like fishing and sailing as well. Okay. My parents have a cottage north where I live and hop on a sailboat and float around for a couple hours by myself. That's, that's good decompression in the summertime. I'm sure relaxing. So the lakes up there are, they really busy with power boats and that kind of stuff. So the one that we're on is, uh, it's all boat in access. So it is fairly busy. It's a smaller lake. There's a lot around in the area, but, uh, yeah, my brother actually just bought a new boat. He's got the cottage next to us. And so I'm looking to spend a little bit of time up there this summer and enjoy that with them. Oh, that's awesome. I know around here, the lakes in the summertime, it's, it almost takes the fun out of it. There's so many people out there and if you're partying and that kind of stuff, that's one thing, I guess, but I love to fish and talking about fishing, it's not fun to fish during the daytime in the summer. What kind of fish do you catch up there? Leagues? So I primarily bass, large mouth or spotted bass. 
It's the um, same as us. So we don't have in my area, we don't have smallmouth bass. You gotta yeah. go a little bit further north to get to the smallmouth. The largemouth and spots is it's fun. It gives us something to do once a week. What's the strangest thing you've seen at work? So this wouldn't have been in turf. Um, probably my best one when I was in, in an auto shop, we had a Dodge Charger come in one spring. It was a summer car only, and it was a no start. It was a fairly new vehicle, uh, had fuel turned over, had spark, just wouldn't start. No codes being thrown. So my, my mentor at the time, he's just saying, it's got to run. So he's sitting there, he fired a little bit of ether into it. Nothing just keeps turning it over. And a squirrel eventually in the nest got fired out of the tailpipe and taught me a valuable lesson that things need to breathe in order to run. I, unfortunately for the story, the squirrel didn't make it, but (laughs) (laughs) that's good though. And yeah, you, you never know. And sometimes it's just the simple things that you don't even think about. Yeah. You know, you got to check all these things, but it was just kind of one of those, like you say, it was just a simple, funny head scratch one. I've seen raccoons under hoods. I'm I'm sure you've had stories of that kind of thing too, but yeah, it's always, it's funny. You think back and there's always these funny incidents throughout the career. Yeah. And a lot of times it's hard to keep track. I know I asked that question and it's fun to get a, a good story, but honestly, we could have a podcast just about good turf stories or industry stories because there's so many and sometimes it happens on a daily basis do you have a good one for us trent that's a good question sorry to put you on the spot no it's all good man (laughs) put me on the spot i'm gonna i'll tell one from a good friend of mine his name's david flowers and at the time he was the technician at east lake and the beverage cart came down and it was a pedal start beverage cart, a carry all or something. And the lady on the cart said that it continually just turns over and turns over like the pedals down, unless you turn the key switch off. That's the only way you can get it to stop. You gotta turn the key switch off and he's really busy. It's middle of summertime or whatever. And he said, well, just, you got another cart right back at the clubhouse. Just park that one over there. And when I get a little time. I'll look at it. So she gets a ride. Somebody takes her back to the clubhouse and she brings the other beverage cart back down immediately. And she said, this cart is doing the same thing. So he says, okay. So he walks out and he kicks the cooler off the gas pedal and said, have a nice day. (laughs) <laughs> so she was low, she was putting her cooler in there, the floorboard and had it on her pedal. And that, yeah, that, that was a, a pretty good one. Two in a row. What are the chances yeah, of that? Yeah. 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 yeah he's like, okay. That's something's getting get here. Sums up. Do you have a mentor in the industry led on to that? And what's the most valuable lesson you've learned from them? I can't say I directly have a mentor within the industry, but a lot of people I look up to, and I'm not saying this just because, uh, we're on your podcast at the moment, man. I look at some of the work that you do, and these are the things that constantly, as we discussed before, you're constantly growing and you're just, you're a piece of all these people that you learn from when you see little things. Kevin Henniger, he's nearby, very close location where I am right now. I remember walking into his shop and thinking, look what I can do. 
look at the improvements that I can make. I thought my shop was clean and you see that and you're like, okay, yeah, never mind. You go back, you almost, you hang your head. You work towards just improving that every day. So yeah. There's a lot of people I look up to in the area. I'll give a shout out to Jerry Knight, another great guy that I know in the industry and his demeanor and everything. I see him and yeah, they're mentors in indirect ways. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Twitter is a very valuable tool, in my opinion. And all the people sharing ideas on there freely and help you any way they can. We just, we have a really great community. I think some people probably take that for advantage. And just like this past Monday, we had a technician seminar here in Georgia and we had over a hundred people there. And I went to another technician seminar that I spoke at two weeks ago and there was three technicians and it was for a state association. So in Georgia, one Monday, I was telling everybody, you don't know how good you have it here that we have this great of a community and association that will support us and all those kind of things. But it's growing. I, I do think we're getting better and it's not just me out here talking about it. Mike Rollins is doing great things to promote turf technicians and all the technicians that I follow on Twitter, Chad Braun, like you said, Kevin is just amazing. The, the stuff they're doing and you're talking about really nice facilities. I've been working on the certified turf equipment manager with GCSAA and that's supposed to come out this spring of 22 and we're doing shop testing. So one of the alpha tests was at Brian Bressler's shop at Madonna. And this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and we're buddies and I'm giving them hard times. Like, do you work in here? Y'all have to do all your work outside and you never use the shop. Cause that's what it looks like. It looks like it's just so clean. It looks like showroom set up. It was so impressive. But he was telling me when he first got there that it wasn't a very nice place and they dumped a bunch of money into it, changed everything two or three years ago. And since then they've just kept it pristine because they know what they got. They know what, where they came from, That's right. where they are now. And they said, we're going to keep this place superb. That's funny. I was just having that conversation with somebody recently and just by nature, I do find myself, I'm not. And a person that comes by being neat naturally, but some people are just, they're naturally very neat and very organized. Anytime that I have a clean facility, I know I've come by it honestly, and I've put in hard work towards that. And that leads to that. What's your biggest pet peeve kind of thing. I do find now that I've become a much more meticulous technician when people don't put things back and that I know how much hard work it takes to keep something nice. And the, the improvements that you've made right towards the facility. So I definitely have a lot of respect for that. Oh, for sure. And I, I, I can relate exactly what you're saying. I know where every tool is in my toolbox and it's really organized outside of that. Hmm. There, I do my best <laughs> trying to keep a pretty organized facility. And that's definitely something that bugs me when somebody just comes through and lays something on the table. I'm like, okay, where does this need to go? Let's find a place for it. It's kind of like taking care of your kids. 
That's right. Yeah. You got it from somewhere and it wasn't that table though. <laughs> right. Exactly. What would be your dream job or opportunity? Doesn't have to be something in the industry. Just. Oh, really? Anything just completely yeah. out. When I was in, when I was in high school, I really wanted to be a police officer. I love helping people. What's funny is I found that even just as a technician, having, I did have an assistant prior to this past season, he moved on just helping people and being there and mentoring people. It's an important thing to me. You learn a lot from it. As we discussed, you've grown from this whole experience and you're seeing that. So that'd be a dream job for me, I would say. Okay. That's awesome. And you, yeah, like we talked before, mentoring somebody and just helping people out is so rewarding and you end up getting back way more than what you put in, honestly. And I got a couple of younger guys working in the shop for me and just asking them different questions, different things. How would you do this? And getting a set of eyes that's only been in the business for a year versus a set of eyes that's been doing it for 25. And they come up with some good ideas and some creative things that I would have never thought about because we don't have the same experience. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's been good for sure. What technician would you like to work with for a day? Anybody in the industry? Anyone I know, I'd have to say Kevin. Okay. Yep. I'd work with Kevin for a day. That'd be awesome. And it's very possible considering our proximity to one another. I should just run up there and make that one happen. Yes, for sure. You most definitely should do that. Highly encourage it. Yes. And it's really, I'm really lucky here. I got a good network in my local area and I don't do that enough and we all get busy in our daily lives and all that stuff but a couple weeks ago Jerry Kara came up to visit John Patterson and spent a couple days with him and not that Jerry needs help Jerry's an excellent technician and he's got his stuff down but he wanted to spend a couple days with John to see how John does his operation And that was so valuable. So lucky for me, I went over there and spent a couple hours just talking to them and we didn't really work on stuff or whatever, but just what you pick up from those conversations. And then David Curie, he's up in your neck of the woods, right? He is. Yeah. Very close. He stopped by, he was going to Tampa, driving his mom's car down. Good. He's good. (laughs) He's going to get son of the year award for that. That's awesome, man. But yeah really good so he stopped by the shop and hung out with me for a few hours and just same thing just talking to different people is it's amazing what you can learn and pick up on yeah you never come away empty-handed from those right for sure what do you know now you wish you'd known on day one how operators will respond to things and how to deal with people uh, that's something i've learned a lot of patience and just the the individual nature of people, that's really, it's an important thing, but you just, you deal with so many more people on a day-to-day basis than I did prior to working in the turf industry. Before it was customers, that's a very rewarding thing in its own right. And you develop good skills and in kind of de-escalation situations and that, but working with staff and that, it's, it's a skill in its own right. And it can add or detract so much stress. It's a very important thing to have good 
kind of tact to yourself around people. That's a great one. And something I don't think we've talked about a, a whole lot on here. And I remember talking to a superintendent, a younger superintendent, and he's sitting at the desk and he, he's having a rough day and employee issues and stuff like that. So I pat him on the back and I said, when you got into this industry, you thought you were going to grow grass. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not, there's a lot more to turn in wrenches. Like you say, dealing with the people and learning how different people react to different situations. And I, I got one guy from, he's from Barbados and super nice guy. Give you the shirt off his back. Great personality. But when he first got there, he was, he was kind of my guy on equipment. If you know what I yeah. mean, tearing stuff up. And just doing things that you shouldn't be doing with a mower or a cart or whatever. And I would go out, he'd be stuck or whatever. And I'd go out there to tow him out and he's laughing at the whole thing. And that's not what I want to see. It's not funny to me, but it's his culture or his personality. And he wasn't doing it to be rude or I think it was more of a nervous thing. Yeah. And, but I didn't know that at the time. So just getting to know people a little bit better and how they react to different situations. That was his way of de-escalating and it's only escalating your anxiety towards the situation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Get ready for tips and tricks. What kind of tips and tricks you want to share with us? Oh, well, what a fun one that I learned pretty quickly. So I was new to welding when I got into the turf side of things. And what you can do with a welder is just awesome. And I remember the first time having to do like a rear roller bearing on, uh, we had John Deere 8800s at the time. And that race, of course, it's stuck in there and you've got no way to get a drift onto it. No punch, no anything. And welding that race just to help it contract and pop it out. That was something that was invaluable to me. Since then I've gone, I bought a, a set of like internal race pullers mm-hmm. with a slide hammer attachment. So I don't get around to using it too much anymore, but that was a trick that got me into so many jams. I remember calling our John Deere rep at the time, uh, our service technician in the area. And he said, just weld a bead around it. I couldn't believe how, how well that worked. So a uh, big shout out to Steve Bresnikar there. That was one coming full circle. We're just pieces of puzzle of all the people we've learned. Yeah, that was a great one. Yeah, it is one of my favorites probably. And I love, especially getting a younger person in the shop and showing that one to them. And if they hadn't asked for help before when they're trying to use a punch or whatever to, and they can't get the punch in there, I think it's more fun if you let them struggle for about 30 oh, let minutes them walk. <laughs> and then walk over there and say, oh, let's try this and run a beat around there and slam it on the table and it fall out and say, there you go. I'll be here all day. The look of disbelief that first time it pops out, right? It's yeah. Yeah. You got to make it there. more dramatic. So it really sticks with them. What else do you want to talk about? That's a very open-ended question. Yeah, it I is. Like it's, it's open, man. We can talk about anything you want to talk about from techs getting into the industry. How do we, that's been something really popular and something on my mind a lot. How do we get more younger people in the industry and wanting to get their hands dirty and do the things we do 
obviously I think this is one of the greatest careers you could have because you have so many different, you're not doing the exact same thing every day. It's new problems every day, new challenges every day. If you're, you're having a rough day, you can get out and ride around on a golf course where it's nice and quiet and peaceful and nature. You get to see the sun come up every morning. The best office in the world. Yes, it is. And I absolutely agree with you. And recently in Ontario, we've been having, there's a shortage of turf technicians and there's just, there's no, maybe I'm not accurate with this, but I don't believe there's really any kind of education out there. Certainly when I was going to trade school, again, I went the automotive route. There was never any mention of working at golf courses. At the time I was still working, like I mentioned before, two days a week at the course. And I remember mentioning it to my teacher and he asked about what was maintenance like and the rest of it. And, uh, he at the time suggested to me, why don't you consider doing that as a career? And I never really gave it much of a second thought, but in, in years past, I've often thought about getting in contact with them and going and just saying like, this is a career path. This is an available option that nobody's talking about. Um, there's tons of golf courses that are in need of technicians and more formally trained technicians, as we all know now with tier four coming along with all the electronic capabilities, it's come so quickly and just in dramatic fashion. And there's a lot, there's a subset of technicians who are right into it. And then there's a lot of guys who don't have formal education and a lot of guys who are going to struggle with this next wave of equipment that is inevitably coming and is already here, especially involving robotics, GPS. So how to get around that and how to talk to post-secondary institutions about that. And just to get the word out there is very challenging. I've tried to get in touch with other techs and most people ask the same question as everybody does is, oh, do you just fix golf carts or just push mowers or what do you do in wintertime? Well, like this is the standard questions and it's just shock because we know how complicated the whole gig really is. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. I wish I knew the answer. And I know J.R. Wilson, he's working on good things. He's out on Long Island and he's starting a technician. I don't I think it's an apprentice program or internship or something along those lines. But I really think it's getting in at the high school level. And a lot of the high schools, at least around in my area, they've done away with the the trades. When I was going to high school, there was a shop class and a construction class and a applied technology class. But a lot of the high schools in my area, they're, they're doing away with those programs and it's really sad. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, I guess it's money driven, but they want to push a hundred percent of the students into college. And in the U S there's only 25% of the jobs you need a college education for. Absolutely. So, so why send a hundred percent of the, the kids out of school into college? I don't know. Other than the money. I remember sitting in my high school commencement. And at that point I'd signed up for university. I was in university happened in October and telling the statistics as far as how many students had gone to post-secondary and into trades and the rest. And they said it was something unbelievable. Like 92% of my graduating class had gone to post-secondary education in universities or colleges and another 5% maybe stuck around and 2% had gone into trades. And thinking to myself, I was like, 2% in trades is just, where's the focus? 
we've been talking about in Ontario for a long time, the crisis that will inevitably come because there isn't enough skilled tradesmen out there pursuing it. And there's a plethora of jobs coming up and a generation of people retiring. So yeah, I think there needs to be a shift. I think it will come. I think we'll have to you know, just through, unfortunately, maybe not voluntarily. Yeah, no, it's coming. It's, it has to, just like you said, there's a need. The way they're going to get people in here is the money. So lucky for us, we're all going to get paid more. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm, I've never said that you're paying me too much. You never shied away from that one. No, uh, that's I, right. Yep. I agree. Bring it on. Do you have anything else you want to dive into? I think I'm pretty satisfied. I just want to say thank you so much for setting this all up and the opportunity. This whole thing has been, it's been eye opening. When I first, my first year and season working at a golf course, I did feel that there was like a lack. Well, obviously I was, I was naive, ignorant to the fact there was this community moving along without me out there. And once I caught into it and realized I was very fortunate as a superintendent, you should get on Twitter because there's some guys up there. You should look at Bob shop. He does all this cool mm-hmm. stuff. Once I kind of hopped on, it was like a world that I never knew existed right before my eyes, just beneath the surface. It was very cool to be part of Trent. So I thank you so much for putting this together and, and your continued advocacy within all this. Of course. And thank you for being a part of it, of the WhatsApp group. And I thank Jerry Knight. He's the one that led me into the WhatsApp group. And then I started my own group since most of his was Canadian based, which is fine. I didn't do that in competition to. What are you Jerry. saying here? <laughs> What's that? What are you saying here? What us Canadians say? Eh? Oh, no. I, <laughs> come on. Don't beat me up too bad. It's, it's not anything like that. And. I don't, I was just telling this story the other day. Oh, it was actually, I was talking to David Curie when he come down here and he was thanking me for my hospitality. And I said, well, I'm just trying to show you the Southern hospitality, but the hospitality I got when I went to Alberta was unmatched. It's, it's right up there with Southern hospitality. And obviously now in the South, especially in the cities, there's not as much hospitality because a lot of those people came from up north down here. And it's the whole Yankee thing going on there. But I love my Yankees too. I hope to make it down there sometime, Trent, because you guys are, yeah, you've got the best food going and some of the nicest people around, man. So I look forward to it when time comes. You're uh, welcome anytime you've hit Thank me you. up. And uh, yeah, it's, it's an open door policy around my shop. And that goes for anybody that's listening. If you want to come by, you just let me know and I'll make sure I'm there. Just like Mike Rollins, we did our thing on Monday and the class was over and he was staying the night. So he didn't have anything going on. I said, come on, man, let's go to the shop. So we got to the shop. It was four thirty-five o'clock, hung out for an hour and a half and grabbed dinner and took him back to his hotel room. But I'm always up for stuff like that. Just interacting with other people and I used to sit in the corner a lot, you know, growing up and it wasn't really my thing to be as open or outgoing as I am now. And I've always considered myself an introvert and look what I'm doing now. So I don't know. Well, you make a very good extrovert, man. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Tell the listeners how they can get a hold of you. You can uh, follow me at Twitter. I'm not exactly sure my Twitter handle is, but Ian Johnstone, I think 04 or 06, something along those lines. I am part of the WhatsApp group. 
I am an OGSA member and a GCSAA member. You can contact it through there, through those websites. And anytime I'm open to anybody having any kind of question. Before we end this, in the WhatsApp group, didn't you do some kind of mathematical formula for something? I did. It caught me late on a Friday night and my wife was, she was displeased. I just said, just carry on with them, with whatever she was watching. I wanted to do this. It was measuring real speed at the tip of, of, of a decreasing reel. Yeah. So just showing the blade velocity decreases as a cylinder gets smaller. And yeah. you done that on the couch, I'm assuming. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. On the couch. So for the listeners, if you think all us mechanics are just a bunch of dummies, this right here should prove you wrong to sit on the couch and be able to figure out the belay velocity of a reel, depending on the input that's going on. And I know it's math, but a lot of us are not good at math. I much appreciate that. And yeah. I, I, was, I loved math in school. That was, it's, it's a lot of fun. I don't get to use it much now and being able to pull that out. I'm sure it looked neater. Then like the first couple draft, I don't want to throw up something there with all my mistakes on it. So anyway, I was impressed and Mike Rollins, we actually, it come up the other night. He said, that dude is really smart. Uh, <laughs> talking so about you. Yeah. I mean, that, that was awesome. And it didn't just you, there's Wade, he's a genius. There's a lot of smart people in that group and I don't know if if you caught that in the group, but I added it up 42 of the people in the group, there was 803 years of experience, which is incredible in its own, but to have some true geniuses in the group too, I don't know how many has taken an IQ test, but I guarantee you there's a lot in the group that their IQ is way above mine. Oh yeah. We are absolutely. And just to think like with that cumulative knowledge, hopefully we can solve all the turf world's problems. We're going to try. We're going to try. Thank you again for being on and I'll see you in the WhatsApp group. Thanks so much, Trent. You have a great evening. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Ian. How much can we learn from our peers or even people with less experience in the industry? step back and think about it a little bit we can learn from anybody no matter how long they've been in the industry or where they came from because we all have different backgrounds and we all learn different stuff so approach a situation with an open mind and you can learn a lot more so here's a challenge for you think of a way that you can get the word out about this great profession somewhere at the grassroots level in your own area we were talking about it today at the shop trying to you know come up with different ideas how to get people in this industry and i think we all need to be working on that in our own local area if you hadn't filled out our survey on twitter make sure you go to our bio on our twitter page and click the link to the google form and fill out our survey let us know how we're doing let us know who you want to hear from and we'll try to get them on let us know what kind of questions you got we're always looking to make this thing better until next time see you bye
thank you so much for listening to the Real Turf Text Podcast. I hope you learned something today. Don't forget to subscribe. If you have any topics you would like to discuss or you'd like to be a guest, find us on Twitter at Real Turf Text. See you bye.